It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related, as well as Electrician Live, available at electricianlive.com. If you haven't heard, starting in January 2020 on Saturday nights at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time, we're going to have a call-in show where you can listen to certain topics live, okay? So it's going to be live, and it'll be streaming from electricianlive.com as well as on Master the NEC so that you're able to listen to the podcast live. You can even call in if the topic you get the... You get the desire to call in and talk about or give your experience, then all you got to do is download Skype on your laptop, desktop, tablet, uh, cell phone, whatever you want, and call in and call into the number Master the NEC. That's the call ID. And go on and call into that. And you can call in and chime in on the show, but they're going to be live starting in January. So hopefully you get excited about that. Of course, we're not going to stop our recorded shows, our lessons and our training. All that's going to still continue. But the live shows are uniquely different. And we're excited about Electrician Live. We have sponsors that are lined up. And we really want it to be a good show. We are also, as it matures, we're going to have deals where we actually go on site and do some things and have sit-down interviews. And it's just a, it's going to be an interesting thing. It's going to be a slow crawl as we get invested because most people know that I do a lot of this stuff on the internet for free. And so, again, we have to have funding in order to be able to take this program to the next level. I can't just always fund everything out of the company. So we're working on it. We'll slowly get there, but it should be nice and exciting. And it's just geared to electricians. So that's the beautiful thing about it. It's really for the electrician. doesn't mean others can't listen, but it's targeted towards electricians. All right. So again, that starts in January. So today's episode, we're going to talk service entrance cable. Uh, Article 338, SC cable. Uh, And since it's a small, small uh, article, uh, we're going to kind of go over it and and give you some of my thoughts and the things that you need to remember and understand about it. Okay. So first things first, like anything, there's three parts. Okay. To Article 338. There's a general part. Uh, And then, of course, once you get past the general part, then you've got part two. It's the installation requirements and rules there. And then, of course, part three talks about the construction specifications uh, and things about it. So we've got three parts to tackle. So let's get started. So the first thing we want to know is service entrance cable. Two different types of service entrance cable. You have type SE and there's type USE. So one of the more common questions that I get is people ask type SE, which is a type which is a style U and a style R. And I'm sure you've seen it. It's typically what you're going to run, a a style U, which is two conductors and a helical wrap. Uh, Nothing in the standard, by the way, uh, and UL854 says that we have to construct it that way, but that's how everybody does it, okay? So basically, it's a flat cable. It kind of looks like a bigger NMB, uh, although SE cable can go down all the way down in size. I mean, there's nothing that says that you can't have smaller uh, all the way down. So even in the standard, it allows for 10 gauge uh, and 12 gauge SC cable. Okay. So nothing prohibits the application within a standard. But most of the time, what we see or what me and you're used to dealing with is, you know, the, the four odd aluminums and two odd coppers and whatever type of SC cable. Now, this is a gray cable. It doesn't have to be gray, but it's a gray cable typically. And the sheathing on it, 
for SE, a service entrance cable is typically gray. Again, there's nothing that says it has to be gray, but typically it is gray. And it has the markings, the requirements for the markings on the actual side of it. And that's in accordance with 338.120 and, of course, the manufacturing requirements under UL854 for SE cable. Now, two types, again, of SE cable for above-ground use only. Okay, so that's the first thing people ask. Can I stick SEU or SER in the ground? And the answer is absolutely not. Uh, That is prohibited from being installed in the ground under 338.12, which is use is not permitted. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So it can't. It's above ground only. Now, can it go on the side of a building? Yes. Uh, Can it run inside of a building? Yes. Um, It can be used as a branch circuits. It can be used for feeders. And obviously, it can be used for services because it's service entrance cable. Okay, so it's a very versatile, very versatile product. Uh, the sheathing that's on it, that gray sheathing, is typically 30 mils thickness, uh, and it is sheathing. It is not insulation. So people ask me again, is it gets ripped or damaged? Is it violating any warranty or, or anything on it? And absolutely not. There are um, re- There is repairs that can be made to that because you can repair sheathing. You can't repair insulation that's gone. Okay, for some reason you strip off insulation down to copper or aluminum, then you have a problem. But when it comes to sheathing, there are many fixes. 3M makes a fix uh, type of tape that will do that. And of course, manufacturers will sometimes give you a repair procedure using overlapping rubber tape with a uh, like a 3M tape over top of that and a certain amount of overlapping. And there's 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 ways to fix the sheathing, not so much the insulation. So the different types of SE cable, we have a style U and a style R. Now, typically the style U is the flat one you see. It's two conductors with a helical uh, individual strands that wrap around the two conductors. And that is actually the third conductor. And that's a style U. And where is that used? Well, it's typically used uh, from the weather head outside on a one and two family dwelling is typically where we'd see it run from the point of attachment down the side of the building, through the meter, out of the meter, into the service disconnection means on the line side. Okay, That's typically where you'd see it. Um, where do I see the SER typically used? If I've got a main panel and I want to feed another panel downstream, a remote distribution panel, maybe one in the basement, Okay, then I'm going to run a four-conductor SER. The R stands for a style R is round Okay, because it looks round. It's not perfectly round, but it's round. And so you're going to have a total of four conductors in there, two ungrounded conductors, one grounded conductor, and one equipment grounded conductor in there because you need to have a separation downstream. As we all know at a panel, we need to have the separation where the neutral is actually standing off of the metal parts and then the equipment ground bonds to the metal parts. That way we know that current's always traveling at some point on that grounded neutral conductor. If that made connection to the case downstream and case being the metal enclosure, then we'd have circulating currents and that wouldn't be a good thing. So we have to isolate it downstream. Now, with that said, that's not the only application for these type of products. Um, obviously, if you look in the code under 338.10, uses permitted, you're going to see quickly that SEU, for example, could be used in a branch circuit application. And I typically see it getting used all the time to uh, air conditioning units, for example. So where I'm running into an air conditioning unit, let's say it doesn't require a neutral. So I've got two hots, maybe it's 240-volt application, but I've still got that helical, and that is the equipment ground. And so I'm allowed to use that in some of those applications where I would need simply a simple branch circuit application, right? Uh, now, the SER... That's where I might run to a separate panel, uh, and so I need those four conductors. But I also have requirements in the code for dryers and ranges to have four conductors. Because again, even at those devices, we want to have that separation from the grounded conductor and the equipment bond. Okay, So the equipment grounded conductor. We want a separation. So we need four conductors there. Well, SER is a perfect candidate for that. Now, of course, you've got other products you could run, MC cable, things like that. You could run raceways and pull conductors in it. But here's if it's going to go through the walls, through board holes, things like that, okay, then SER is a perfect candidate. Now, its counterpart that most people will use will be a non-metallic sheath cable, which is available in sizes all the way up to 2 gauge. And it'll come in different sizes uh, of NMB. 
and it gets used the same way. Now, there's a benefit to SER. Once you get at uh, 8 gauge and larger, then you typically get to treat it at 75 degrees C. Whereas the problem with uh, NMB, even when you go bigger and the NMB is bigger, you're still going to be limited to the 60 degree because it is NMB, for goodness sakes. That, that's 334 uh, tells us that for non-metallic sheath cables. So you have to look at your installations and where your benefits might be uh, in your application. But you can use SE cable for that. Now, the other type of service entrance cable is a USE. Now, that is typically a single conductor, and it's service entrance, uh, and it is designed for underground, whereas SE cables are above ground indoors and outdoors. It can't go below ground, and it can't go in a raceway below ground because that's still a wet location. So it's not rated for that, and its UL listing doesn't allow for that. However, USE, which typically is a single conductor to construction, uh, will actually be designed to go directly in the earth. That's what the U stands for, underground. Uh, and it has typically a moisture-resistant covering on it. And it is not required to have flame-retardant covering, whereas SE cable is required because we bring that into a building. Now, if your USC does not have flame-retardant covering on it or some kind of flame-retardant property to it, then it can't go into a building. Obviously, we don't want any products going into a building that that has an issue with flame, doesn't have flame retardant properties on it. However, there is many manufacturers that make something called dual and triple rated and even quad rated products. That means it's USC-2 or USE, but it's also an RHH or an RHW-2 or even a PV wire. Uh, and so it might have multiple uses. And when it does that, it might pick up that flame retardant property. So just remember when you have multiple ratings on a wire, you can use any of those ratings you want. Okay, I can use it as PV if it's trip, if it's quad rated. If it's, I can use it as RH RHW-2 when it comes into a building. So USC-2 is limited, but you have all these other aspects of it that you can utilize it. Okay, okay. So that's what we cover. So we have the different types that we're dealing with now. Remember again, SEU and SCR above ground only type of products. Okay in outside, okay inside, but above ground only. USC-2 is designed to go in the ground and it may or may not have flame retardant properties involved with it. Okay. Now, the next one we look at is service entrance conductor assembly. It says multiple single insulated conductors twisted together without an overall covering other than an optional binder uh, intended only to keep the conductors together. Okay, so in this case, this is where we have multiple single insulated conductors twisted together and they have no overall covering other than they might have an optional binder. Now, a lot of times these cable assemblies like this might be something that's connected to a messenger, uh, for example. Uh, and so you do have the ability to have this type of construction as well. Uh, the next thing is listing. So 338.6 says listing requirements. Type SE and USE cable are associated and, and associated fittings shall be listed. So when we say listed, that means that it gets evaluated by a nationally recognized testing laboratory, usually at the level from the manufacturer stage. So you usually have people that come in multiple times a month or a week that will actually verify, verify that you're making the product to a certain standard that you submitted as part of your product standard. And in this case, UL 854. And it'll get evaluated for that. Okay, and so once it gets that listing uh, and it gets that mark on it and you'll see the mark on the actual sheathing from whatever the man, whoever they use, whether it's UL uh, or uh, Met or, or whatever it might be, Intertech or whatever, that's your listing to tell you that that product has been made in accordance with at least the basic UL standard 854. Okay, that's the first part of it. All right, so that's kind of all of our general rules, kind of our general things to be aware of. Now let's talk about part two, which is the installation requirement. So you've got what's called 338.10, that's uses permitted, and you got 338.12, uses not permitted, okay? And then the only other one in that group we've got is the bending radius, and you get some information on bending radius. So let's look at the uses permitted. Where can I use it? So 338.10, uses permitted, the very first one is A, and it obviously reminds us that we can use this 
for service entrance conductors. Obviously, that's a no-brainer. This is SC Cable, service entrance cable. So it says under 338.10a, service entrance conductors. It says service entrance cable shall be permitted to be used as service entrance conductors and shall be installed in accordance with 230.6, 230.7, and Part 2, 3, and 4 of Article 230. So that is all about Article 230. So using it as service entrance conductors. Okay, And like we said, this is typically going to be utilized from the weatherhead down through the meter and into the main disconnect, uh, your main service disconnect on the, on the supply side or the line side, however you like to say it. And that is going to be where you would typically use a style USE above ground. Uh, and then, of course, if you have a downstream panel, you'll come out of a breaker on the load side of the main disconnect, and you'll supply a downstream panel, and that will be done with an SER, for example, because you're feeding in. Many people call that a remote distribution panel. Uh, many people call it a sub-panel. Uh, more accurately, it is the distribution panel downstream, or remote distribution panel would be fine. All right, so that tells us we can use it as service conductors. Now, 338.10b tells us that we can use it as branch circuits or feeders. Number one, it says the grounded conductor insulated. It says type SC service entrance cable shall be permitted in wiring systems where all of the circuit conductors of the cable are of the of the thermal set or thermoplastic type. Okay, so that's the conductors inside, right? Okay, so now remember the concept here. We're talking about branches and feeders now. We're off of the service, okay? SEU using it outside, helical ground. We're kind of moving a little bit. We're now moving into use as branch circuit and feeder applications. Now, in this case here, it says for the grounded conductor insulated. Again, type SE, service entrance cables shall be permitted in wiring systems where all of the circuit conductors of the cable are of the thermal set or thermoplastic type. So thermal sets, example, with XHHW-2 would be one example of that. Of course, RHH, RHW-2 is also thermal set, for example. But the thermoplastic is typically going to be your THHN, THWN-2 application. So that's a thermoplastic versus your thermal set. Okay. Now, number two, it says use of uninsulated conductor. Okay. Here's the one with the uninsulated. It says type SE, service entrance cable, shall be permitted for use where the insulated conductors are used for circuit wiring and the uninsulated conductor is used only for equipment grounding purposes. Okay, so what that is telling me is that when I'm utilizing, let's say, an SCR, that if I'm going to utilize a grounded conductor, it's got to be insulated. If I'm utilizing the equipment grounding conductor, that can be bare. So if I'm also using a style U, and I only need two hot conductors, then that uninsulated conductor, which is that helical, can only be used for the equipment grounding purposes. So I might have that need. So if I have a circuit to an, an air conditioning unit, air handler, that only needs 240, doesn't need 120, I can run that SEU there, because then I've got that bare conductor, that stranded, that's running around the helical, around those two conductors that are in there, those two ungrounded conductors, that can stay uninsulated, because that's the equipment ground, right? Okay, just kind of giving you that concept, all right, so you understand it. Now, there's an exception here that reminds people that says, back in the day, there used to be the allowance for the in an existing installation uh, where the uninsulated conductors shall be permitted as the grounded conductor in accordance with 250.32 and 250.140. Now, just to, just to kind of give you a quick understanding, because we don't want to go into detail about that in this episode, but the 250.30 is dealing with an, a where it's existing application to an existing building and you establish the grounding electrode system at that separate building, and you only have three conductors running to that building, then I can utilize that bare conductor as my neutral grounded conductor uh, as well. Okay, so you, for lack of a better explanation, I treat it just like um, I'm dealing with a separate service, even though in this case it's more than likely a feeder to that building. Um, and then, of course, the 250.140 is the existing allowance for ranges, as long as you don't move it or change it or relocate it. If it's existing, then you have an existing three-conductor going to it, like an SEU, then 
It's a three prong. I can leave it. Now, the moment that I extend it and something like that, then I have to change. But if I leave it alone and it's existing, then it's allowed to remain there. Okay. So that's the exception that's there. Doesn't apply to new installations. Okay. This is for an existing application not for new applications. You would have to have four conductors to that detached structure. You would have to have four conductors to those ranges and things like that that's covered in 250-140, okay? So that's an exception for an existing older application when it was permitted to do that, okay? All right. So the next thing we're looking at is temperature limitations for branch circuits and feeders. And we're at 338.10B3. And it says type SE service entrance cable used as to supply appliances shall not be subject to conductor temperatures in excess of the temperature specified for the type of uh, insulation involved. Okay. So whatever the insulation rating you're dealing with, and we'll look again in a minute sizing and and a little bit when it comes to uh, installation methods, but typically SE cable is 75 degree and you're going to have terminal limitations as well. All this is reminding us here that the temperatures uh, subject the when you're supplying appliances, it shall not be subject to conductor temperatures in excess of the temperature that's actually specified for the type of insulation insulation that's involved. And that would be whatever it is, THHN, THWN-2, or XHHW-2, that type of thing. And it's typically going to be 75 degree rated insulation. Uh, or it could be 90 degree, but again, you're going to have terminal limitations in 110.14c. You've got to be very aware of, okay? That's the only reminder for that. Now, item number four is dealing with, again, we're still talking branch circuits and feeders for use of type SE. Uh, in uh, this case right here, it's called install, installation methods for branch circuits and feeders, all right? And so, here it's all grayed out in your 2020 edition. So it was some significant changes that took place here that we'll talk about. Now, you've got two different types of installations, right? So you can utilize it for branch and feeders because services is a different beast. We're talking about branches and feeders right now. You can use it inside of a building and you can use it outside of a building. But if you use it inside of a building, we've got no rules in here that tells us how to secure and support it. We've got no guidance on that. So this is where this tries to come in and say, okay, okay, look, let's talk about when you install SE cable inside of a building. Let's do that one first. That's called interior installations. And what you've got is you've got a couple different modes that you follow. You have A for interior and you have a B for exterior. A has three bullet points and B has two bullet points. So let's look at each one. So let's talk interior. I want to run my SE cable inside of the building. Number one, it says, in addition to the provisions of this article, type SE service entrance cable used for interior wiring shall comply with the installation requirements of part two of article 334, excluding 334.80. Now, 334.80 is N and B, and that has to do with the opacity values, and it locks it down to the 60 degrees and, and, and all this type of stuff. That's... You, get, you have to follow all of Part 2's installation, securing and supporting. You follow that normal because Part 2 is installation. You follow that. You only ignore the 334.80 aspect of it, okay? So in 334, you're going to follow uh, everything in Part 2, which is uh, that's applicable to it. Any, anything that's, that's good in Part 2, you're going to follow when it comes to this application, all right? Okay, so let's look at it. So we were good there. Next it says, where more than two type SE cables containing two or more current carrying conductors in each cable are installed in contact with thermal insulation, uh, caulk or ceiling foam without maintaining spacing between cables, the ampacity of each conductor shall be adjusted in accordance with table 31015C1. So that is dealing with an adjustment factor for the number of current current conductors. Now, one thing you'll notice real quickly here is that it does not exclude the ability to use 310.14A2, which is the 10-foot 10% rule, which is commonly used, okay, when you're dealing with SE cable, okay? Um, so you're able to use the 10 foot 10% and that could save you. And I have a video on that 
which is part two of NMB that you can read about, but that's kind of covering 334.80. And remember, we're excluding 334.80 right here. So it doesn't really follow that installation guideline. All I've been telling you here is that you can use that exception, which is the heat sink exception, all right? Because nothing here prohibits it. All right, the next one it says, for type SC cable, this is number three, for SC cable with ungrounded conductors sizes 10 and smaller, were installed in contact with thermal insulation, the ampacities shall be in accordance with 60 degrees C conductor temperature ratings. It says the maximum conductor temperature rating shall be permitted to be used for ampacity adjustments and correction purposes if the final ampacity does not exceed that for a 60 degrees C rated conductor. So again, this is allowing you pretty much like you do with NMB. Uh, it's going to allow you, if it's 10 gauge and smaller, you're going to be at the 60 degrees C. However, you're able to use the higher rating of the insulation for your adjustment and correction purposes as long as at the end of the day, you have a conductor that one, can still handle the load, and two, doesn't exceed the values of the 60 degree column, okay? So similar to how you would do NMB, right? Very similar in that application. Now the only difference here for SE is what about those sizes larger than 10? Eight gauge, six gauge, moving up from there. Um, if that's the case there, you can use whatever the rating is of the insulation, all right? Now remember, 90 is not gonna be something you use on terminals because of terminal limitations, but you can use 90 for adjustment and correction if the conductor's in. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Insider rated 90, but typically you're going to be limited to 110.14C, which is going to be to the 75 degree terminal ratings. So always keep that in mind because when you're thinking of conductors, you've got three parts. You've got the middle and you've got the two ends. Okay, so left end, right end, middle. So it's kind of three parts, or some people like to say two parts. You got the middle and you got the ends. So you can do all the math you want on the middle, but you can't forget the terminations because that's where the weakest link would be. Okay, so that's all that that's reminding you. So that's pretty simple for an interior installation. Okay, now exterior. What are we doing about exterior? All right, well, in the exterior, it says, in addition to the provisions of this article, that means provisions of all the other requirements in Article 338, it says, service interest cable used as feeder or brand circuits or installed as, as exterior wiring shall be installed in accordance with Part 1 of Article 225. Okay? All right. So dealing with 225, which we have to make sure that if you're installing it outside, then you've got 225, and if you go look at 225, you'll see in part one, there's a lot of general requirements in part one that you have to follow. Uh, and so 225, part one is general, and you have all of these rules that you have to follow there, so they come into play. But then it goes on to say the cable shall be supported in accordance with 334.30, and that is, again, 334.30 is dealing with non-metallic sheath cable okay so you're still securing it and supporting it the same concept 12 inches from the box and then every four and a half feet like you would for nmb okay so that's for your general use as brand circuit and feeder applications for this product outside that's what you would kind of follow for those rules okay and then you have a number two and it says type usc cable installed as underground feeders in brand circuits Cable shall comply with Part 2 of Article 340. Now, Court 340 is dealing with underground feeder and branch circuits. Okay, you have, so 340 uh, is dealing with that. So that's kind of, you'll probably see that as type UF. Okay, but you have a Part 2 which deals with the installation. And so that's where you have to install it underground in accordance with Part 2. So that's how it makes references to other areas of the code. So what could we do as a panel? We could rewrite 338 
and bring all of those rules into this and expand it so that it, it stands alone rather than sending you other places. Uh, and many people would be all for that because they, they're like, look, I don't want to have to jump from here to here to here to there. Put it all right here. Um, and so uh, somebody should submit to have a 330, uh, 338.30 for securing and supporting and, and try to cover these rules here. But until that point, we are going to send you other places. Okay. All right. So the next one we're going to look at is that's kind of the uh, uses permitted application uh, for branch circuits and feeders and again, service conductors. Now the use is not permitted. This is the one where we have to spend a little more time in this. And this is 338.12. You have an A and you have a B. A is going to deal with service entrance cable. B is going to deal with the underground service entrance cable. Number one, let's talk service entrance cable use is not permitted. Again, we're talking the gray sheath two conductors with the helical wrap, uh, or even also talking about type uh, SER, the round, which you use again for those remote distribution panels or ranges or dryers and those type of... So where are we not permitted to do some things? The first thing it says here in A, service entrance cable, is service entrance cable SE shall not be used under the following conditions or in the following locations. So in this list, we not only have conditions, but we might even have locations. Number one, we're subject to physical damage unless protected in accordance with 230.50B. And that means putting it in some type of raceway that can protect it from physical damage. Okay. So yes, I can put it in a raceway and protect it uh, if it's in an area that may be subject to physical damage. Now, why do we run this on the side of the wall and nobody screams harm or foul? Because to be honest with you, if it's on the side of the building and it's secured right, what are the odds it's going to get damaged? Probably slim. Now, if you're running it along the side of a driveway exposed, and somebody could scrape it down the side of their car, then some inspector might say, yeah, I don't like that. That is subject to physical damage. Now, that is left up to interpretation. But anywhere that it looks like that it could be damaged, then the inspector could say, no. You're going to have to protect it in accordance with 230.50B. All right, And so then you would have to sleeve it in something and do it that way. All right, so that's the first thing. If it's not subject to physical damage, then go for it. The next one, number two, is this is the one that usually, um, not just the UL standard for these products, but this is where it usually puts that hammer, the nail in the, in the, the hammer nails that nail home when it comes to can I use it underground, the SE cable. And the answer to that is it says, number two, it says you cannot use it underground with or without a raceway. So it can't go directly in the earth. It can't go inside of a raceway. It wouldn't matter if you could guarantee no moisture to ever get in that raceway underground. It still can't go underground. Uh, although you can't guarantee that because every raceway will get moisture in it. Okay. So right there, 338.12A2 tells me SE cable cannot go in the ground. All right. Next thing, number three, another not permitted use for it. It says, for exterior branch circuits or feeder wiring, unless the installation complies with the provisions of Part 1 of Article 225 and is supported in accordance with 334.30 or in use as a messenger supported wire as permitted in Part 2 of Article 396. So it can be used as a messenger. Um, it can be used outside under as long as you follow Part 1 of 225 follow all those rules, and you secure it and support it in accordance with 334.30. Otherwise, it can't be used as an exterior branch circuit feeder. Now, it gets used all the time outside for services, and that's not what this is prohibiting. This is prohibiting the use of it outside as branch circuit or feeder unless you follow all the rules that are in Article 225. And if you follow those, and when we say Part 1 of 225, not the whole 225, as long as you follow those rules and you support it like you would for a non-metallic sheath cable uh, under 334.30, then you're good to go in those applications. All right. It's even allowing you to use it on a messenger. I get that question. Can I go from building to building on a messenger, a support wire system? Absolutely you can. Okay. You have to make sure it's supported right and the messenger's right and you follow all those rules, but it has no problem being able to use it in that application outside for a branch circuit or feeder application. All right, now let's talk about the B, underground service entrance cable, USE. 
Okay, where is that prohibited? Now, it says, underground service entrance cable, USE, shall not be used under the following conditions or in the following locations. Number one, for interior wiring. So, this is an example where USE cannot come into the building. It can't be utilized inside of the building envelope. Now, what do manufacturers do, again, to get around this? We will triple rate it or quad rate the product. So, it might say USE on it, right? But it also says RHH and RHW-2. Uh, and if that's the case, outside for direct burial, you're using it as USE. The moment that it hits that building and comes into the building, you're now using it as RHH, RHW, which is a viable wiring method that is in 310, and uh, wiring type. And that's perfectly fine. That's a good insulation. It's thicker than Crosslink Polyethylene's XHHW-2. Um, it is a cross-link polyethylene, but it, it's it's thicker, okay? So it's not as thick as USE-2, uh, but, but since this product is dual triple rated, it's going to be as thick as USE-2. So it's just getting the benefit of USE-2, but when you come inside, you're using the benefits of the RHH, RHW-2, and this the extra thicker insulation is just a bonus, if you will. All right, so... Um, it can't come into the building unless it's got multiple ratings. So if it's just a plain old USE, which is kind of what you get sometimes like a URD um, or from a pad-mounted transformer underground and it comes in, you got to be careful because if that's only USE product, it can't come into the building. Okay, you got to look for those multiple ratings if you want to bring it into the building for some reason. Now, the next one in 338.12b2 is that it says... Now, this is one that's interesting to people. It says, for above-ground installations, except where USC cable emerges from the ground and is terminated in an enclosure at an outdoor location, and the cable is protected in accordance with 300.5D. Okay, so this means that it can't be used in raceways above ground. Believe it or not, people don't understand that. So I might run raceways above ground, and they want to pull USC in it, and I tell them, you can't. That's only for use in the ground. Now, you can put it in a raceway in the ground, or you can direct bury it in the ground, and it can transition out of the ground into enclosures that are on the outside location, let's say on the outside of a building or whatnot. That's okay. It's outside. But above ground, believe it or not, you can't just put USC as the wiring type you want to use inside of raceways and wrap them around the building. building they, they've got to, they can't be above ground. They're designed to be in the ground, okay? Uh, if you're going to be above ground anyway, I don't know why you would go with USC anyway. I would go with an XHHW-2 or THHN, THWN-2, okay? But anyway, that's the, that's the concepts, all right? Okay. Now, when we talk about 300.5D, that's just protection from damage, and that falls under 300.5, and that is underground conductors, and as they emerge from grade, uh, and conductors in their building, and, and all that, so there, there's a list, there's splices, and backfill, and all these raceway ceilings, and all that falls uh, all over there, but D is very specific, because D talks about protection from damage, and there's only four pieces to that, four items, it's emerging from grade, Conductors entering buildings, service conductors, and that's talking about when they're underground and you have to have a marking tape above them or a ribbon. And then, of course, enclosures for race, uh, enclosures or raceways uh, damage, okay, and how you'd run it. So where they're exposed or raceways are subject to physical damage, the conductors shall be installed in electrical metallic tubing, rigid metal conduit, intermediate metal conduits, RTRC, Schedule 80, PVC. So you get those rules under 305. So... If you install it in that application uh, and you meet those rules, as long as it emerges from grade into a piece of equipment to terminate uh, and it doesn't run above ground other than to terminate, then you're okay. Okay. All right. And then the last one, number three for it is, it says underground service entrance cable for aerial cable unless it is a multi-conductor cable identified for use above ground and installed as messenger-supported wire in accordance with 225.10 and Part 2 of Article 396. And 396 is the messenger. Now, this is interesting because URD, for example, is underground residential distribution. It is not designed as an aerial cable. It's not identified as an aerial cable. 
And again, we just talked about USC is to be used underground and not above ground. So in order to be able to use this you would, as an aerial cable, it's a multi-conductor assembly, multi-conductors twisted together or multiple single conductors twisted together at the plant, at the factory, not by you, not doing it at home, uh, not taking individual conductors and twisting them yourself because you can't make a cable. Now, if you want to plex something to make the easier pull, fine, but you can't create a cable yourself by just twisting single conductors. It's not going to work like that, folks. Um, you have to buy it as a cable assembly. Now, there are many manufacturers that do make an aerial cable. It's probably very similar. It just gets evaluated as such, uh, and they utilize it. Now, I know some manufacturers that will actually use PV wire to do this because PV wire is the thickest of insulations uh, for the 1,000 uh, volts and less type of conductors. It's thermo set. Uh, it is a cross-link polyethylene. It is even thicker than USC-2, uh, and it is more than likely when you cable it into a multi-conductor cable assembly, it is going to be okay for an aerial above-ground application. Uh, and that's typically what you're going to see, but it's going to be marked as such. But typical USE is not going to be marked for above-ground application and for use in a messenger. So check that before you just buy URD and think you can string it through the air. Okay? Don't want to make a mistake because you end up buying it again. All right, so that's kind of all of your uses permitted and uses not permitted. The next thing we'll talk about is bending radius. And that is 338.24. Now, bending radius. Now, bending radius is important because whether you have MC cables, you have NMBs, um, tray cables, you have what's called bending radius. And I like to refer to that as a maintained bending radius because if you bend it too tight, then you're going to blister out the backside or potentially damage the insulation by elongating it and stretching it out on the backside. Now, the National Electrical Code does not give us any guidelines for individual conductor bending radius until you get to over 1,000 volts. Then it gives you some guidance. When you're under 1,000 volts, you really just have to consult with the manufacturer to see what they recommend. And it's usually a certain number, six, seven, or eight times the OD of the conductor in question. Uh, so depending on what size it is. So uh, it's going to range, and your manufacturers can give you some guidance with that, but there's no hard, fast written rule in the NEC, okay? Now, bending radius when it comes to this, it says bends of type USC or SC cable shall be made so that the cable will not be damaged, okay? So I guess it's, in, in here we're not going to give you, let's, we don't want you to damage it, and it can't be obvious that you elongate it or cause it, because what happens is on the back side of a real tight, like a Q-tip bend, then you will see the insulation starts to stretch out and it can change colors because it's weakening, it's thinning. And that's a part where it's going to give, right? Because you're taking the molecular structure of the material, the insulation, and starting to stretch it out. And of course, it's made up of certain compounds and, and additives and things like that that we don't want to damage that. Now, what about the inside of the tight bend? You know, you can only shrink up a, a material so much before it starts bubbling up and could be cracking on the inside. So you've got to be very careful. So it gives us some rules here. It says, all right, here we go. It says, the radius of the curve of the inner edge, because that's where you're probably going to see the damage the quickest, of any bend during or after the installation shall not be less than five times the diameter of the cable. Okay, so you take the cable's diameter, and you need to make sure that you maintain that bend as you're going around it. And it cannot be, it shall not be less than five times the diameter. So whatever your diameter is times five. And from the start of that bend to the end of that bend, it's the radius is like you're bending around a, a, a baseball or you're bending around a softball or you're bending in some products, bending it around a tennis ball. Whatever's going to give you that start of the bend as it bends around to where it goes from one plane, let's say vertical, to where you're bending around and it goes horizontal. From that last point of that curve, kind of like a PVC elbow, if you will, you have the long portions and then you have that moment where it starts to curve and go around. Okay, that is your radius. And so here it says it shall not be less than five times the diameter of the cable. Okay, so in other words, if it's six times, you're good. Seven times, you're great. Eight times, beautiful. But if you're four times, you're bending it too tight, and that's going to damage the product, okay? The easiest rule of thumb I tell people, again, is just if it looks like you're going to bend it and stress it, and you start seeing the, 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 the conductors on the inner edge start to bunch up, then you're possibly bending it too tight, okay? But, 
Again, you use that rule. Again, it's five times the diameter of the cable assembly itself. All right. All right. Next is part three, and we'll end on part three. That's construction specifications. Good news that this is pretty much taken up by the manufacturers. There's nothing you really have to worry about here. We take care of that at the manufacturer level. Uh, it just reminds you, assemblies, uh, 338.10 construction. It says, cabled assemblies of multi-single conductor type USE conductors shall be permitted for direct burial. All conductors shall be insulated. So... Um, things like URD is a great example of that. Those are typically going to be USE, uh, and they're all going to be insulated. Um, so we've got that. Uh, many people refer to the term of cabling those together like that or twisting them together as plexing. Okay, so many people refer to the cabling uh, as plexing, and there's an informational note there that just kind of reminds you of that. Some people like you to think that plexing is trademarked by somebody, or, and it's not, but that's just the process of it. Um, and the next thing is B, it says uninsulated conductors. It says type SC and USC cable with an overall covering containing two or more conductors shall be permitted to have one conductor uninsulated. So in an SCU, that's going to be the two insulated conductors that are your two hot conductors. And you're going to have that third helical one. That is going to be your uninsulated one. And you're permitted to have at least one. Now, when you're dealing with an SCR, that's an example where you have four conductors, okay? Two hots and neutral, and you have your equipment ground. Of course, that equipment ground can be uninsulated. Does that mean that it can't be insulated? No, you could insulate it if you want. Most manufacturers are not going to do that. They're going to put an insulated one in because insulation costs money, okay? So they're going to give you an uninsulated equipment ground in, in a SER, for example, all right? Now, as far as the markings that's required for these products, it says service entrance cables shall be marked as required by 310.8. And it says cable with the neutral conductor smaller than the ungrounded uh, conductor shall be so marked. So that's why you'll see, for example, on an SEU, you might see something that says 4 aught, 4 aught, 2 aught. Okay, that lets you know that that neutral is actually for the service application. Uh, that neutral three conductors, that neutral is being used not only uh, is for return current and potential fault current for any type of fuse that might be up on the actual transformer from the utility. So there's only three conductors coming down in a typical 122 40 volt application. Um, that is, your, your markings are going to tell you that on the cable. Now, when we're talking about SEU from the weatherhead down to the actual meter and through, that cable has a marking on it. And if the neutral conductor is smaller, then it has to be marked on the side of it. Okay? All right. So that is 338.120. And believe it or not, folks, that is absolutely it. That is all that we have when we're dealing with type SE cable. Uh, it's pretty simple, straightforward product. Um some of the questions, again, people really, the low-hanging fruit that people ask is, can I stick SE cable underground? Absolutely not. It's above-ground product. Uh, can I take USE cable and put it in a raceway above ground? Absolutely not. It's designed to be direct buried or in a raceway underground. Um, but what about when I come out of the ground to terminate it into a meter, for example? Yes, the standard allows you to do that, but it's not allowed to come into the building. Well, can USE ever come into the building? Uh, absolutely, when it's triple rated, when it also has an RHH, RHW-2 rating on it as well, then it has those flame retarded properties because RHH and RHW-2 is a type of insulation with flame retarded properties that it can come into the building. Uh, can SC cable be used as service conductors? Absolutely. Can they be used as feeder and brand circuits? Absolutely. Follow all the installation requirements under part three. Uh, and where it references you back to 334, where it references you back to 225, whatever part that it references to, just make sure you follow those rules, okay? That's all you've got to remember. Um, can you use SE cables where they're subject to physical damage? Absolutely not, but you can sleeve them in something that would protect them from physical damage. Another thing to remember is, uh, do I have to do a raceway fill calculation for a cable inside of a raceway? Uh, the answer is yes and no. If you're going from junction box to junction box or panel to panel and you're putting an SER in a, in a raceway, for example, then you're going to have to do a raceway fill calculation and you treat it as a single conductor and do 53% fill, chapter nine, table one, and follow all the notes accordingly. Um, but 
If you're just sleeving it through two open ends of a piece of a raceway for protection in some area, then I don't have to, to do any calculation for raceway fill for that because it's open at each end and the concept that it'll allow heat to dissipate out of the open ends. It's only when you close it at both ends and make it a complete run that you have to worry about raceway fill. Okay. So just some of those little things to, to think about when dealing with SC cable. Um, it's a very versatile product. Uh, and I, I see it a lot on the East Coast for using in residential applications because it's very quick uh, and easy to install. Uh, now, remember, some of the installation requirements for when you're doing it as service conductors are a little different than when you're doing it as feeder. Okay, So when you're doing it as service conductors, you have to follow some other rules. So, you know, for example, if you took your code book, for example, and you went over and you looked under the applications for supporting. So 230.51, I'm just trying to give you examples. Here, when you're talking about mounting supports for the service connectors as they come down from the weather head down, you're going to have a requirement for securing and supporting that's a little different than used as branch circuits or feeders. Here, we're talking service conductors. So service entrance cable under 230.51A, for example, tells you, okay, we're using it as service cables. Uh, so service entrance cables shall be supported by straps and other approved means within 12 inches of every service head, so 12 inches of the top, as well as a gooseneck. If you want to do the gooseneck method with the service entrance cable, um, then you're going to do it within 12 inches of the end, okay? And then at intervals not to exceed 30 inches. So you, you had the rules that drove, drove you to 334.30 when you use them as branch and feeders. But when you do them as service conductors and you're outside securing and strap it, then you've got rules you got to follow in 230.51A, and that is 12 inches from the box, 12 inches from the weatherhead, uh, and then support it uh, and secure it every 30 inches, okay, along its path up to from the meter, let's say, up to the weatherhead. So you see it's you have some rules for services, and then, of course, you have your rules for your feeders and brand circuit applications. And you're for the most part, you're going to install SE cable, just like you would non-metallic sheet cable for the most part, all right? So it's kind of a dance you have to do. You just understand that that's a versatile cable assembly. You can use it for services, feeders, brand circuits, the whole gamut. So hopefully you got something out of that, folks, and uh, and, and learned something new about service entrance cable. Hopefully, I, I know that I enjoyed teaching it. So until next time, folks, stay safe. God bless. You've been listening to Electrician Live with your host, Paul 